Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. And here's another episode of the Hail Ming Power Hour. We have a great treat for you today because we have not only a fantastic special guest from the United Kingdom, Mr. Andy Blockley, we also have two fun-filled movies from the 1980s. 1987's Inner Space and 1985's Commando. That's right. I think I got those dates right. That's what I remember from looking at them before. But whatever year they were made, those those years were broken because they broke the mold when they made these two movies. Interspace they, is a fantastic comedy with action and, and awesome special effects that hold up to this day. And Commando is, a, is, is an action flick like one you haven't seen for years. So if you haven't seen it, pause this right now. Come back and listen to it later. That's right. Pause it. Go find them and watch them. <laughs> also, uh, we just returned from Texas Frightmare in Dallas, Texas. Had a big time there. Uh, I'm sure some of you have seen some of the pictures. A uh, lot of fun things going on there. Got to meet some awesome, awesome folks. Got to hang out with Johnny Krug. And, Johnny Krug? Uh, he's got a great show called Kruger Nation. Uh, lots of fun. Cool guy. And... Uh, Twisted his arm, and he's going to be on our show not too far from now. So we're trying to get that in the works. But uh, we've kind of missed getting together and do a show. We are going to try to do something while we were there, but we kind of ran out of time. But uh, just tickled to get back in here, crank out some more movies for you guys. And uh, got a lot of surprises coming up. So just stay tuned. Stay intact. We're just going to rock the house. Rock the house. <laughs> We'll be right back with Inner Space. Come see the event of a lifetime that's causing Broadway to go into a tailspin. Enjoy this decade's equivalent to Waterworld. Experience for yourself Spring Hill Jack 2, the musical. The stage version that has set a new bar for other productions to avoid. Critically strained, this Samuel L. Brockowitz production brings a new meaning to visionary Barnett Kale from Washington Weekly said, Wow, setting through this once was extraordinary. Imagine if you were actually in this thing and had to perform this show nightly. Freddie Hugo from the New York Host said, I haven't experienced this much excitement since my last aneurysm. And Rusty Buchanan of Broadway Banana says, It's like witnessing a literal death on stage. My mother was hospitalized. With performances from ACDC legend Bon Scott. 
eyebrows. Varying. He may out. With a Spring Hill Jack. Shot rocker Rob Zombie. And don't forget Randy Newman. All right. Spring you, Jack, what you coming back? I'll be looking for you for a long time. You lost your shoes, leaving me the blues. It wouldn't happen if you learned to keep your shoes tight. And don't forget the sultry voice of Fleetwood Mac's Stevie Nicks. everybody glad glad to be back and on our return from texas we decided that uh, we need to bring in a special guest we are thrilled to have mr andy blockley from big heart and little podcast and a show called doing the nasty that i got addicted to and started listening to it's not what you think it's about the uh, the movies that were actually banned in england back in the day so straight from the uk it's andy blockley andy yeah! <laughs> How you doing, fellas? Great to be on the show. I'm talking about two of my favorite movies from my childhood as well. I can't wait for this. Yeah, uh, the thing about Andy coming on the show early on, after the first episode, he actually reached out and kind of patted us on the back and told us, you know, how much he was enjoying the show, and I was in utter shock. <laughs> I um, it's your fault. I rejoined Facebook. I'd like gone off Facebook for a good couple of months because I was just getting fed up with it. And I thought, oh man, I've got to log back on and tell these guys that I'm just loving their podcast. And you know what Facebook's like? I'm stuck on there now. I can't get off of it. <laughs> it was a. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to come in. I I agree too. When Andy came in and uh, contacted us, it was one of the first people that that said anything to me after we started. So it just. Uh, let us know we were kind of doing something right. Yeah, I was pretty unfamiliar with podcasting, and you introduced me to it, and it was great to just have somebody come out of the woodwork and say, hey, you guys are doing great, and you're bringing me back. That That's an awesome feeling. It's kind of weird when somebody you're a no, fan of. Uh, I had to go out and buy quite a few of the movies as well, like uh, a couple of them I already had, but when you did the Golden Child show, I was like, man, <laughs> how do I not own the Golden Child? I must have seen it 50 times when I was a kid. So I was straight on Amazon and purchased that. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of kicked off. And I just uh, I thought, yeah, this is great, man. You just, like, just giving it that nostalgic feeling about how great these sort of movies were growing up. Yeah, and that's the whole point is it seems like we kind of forgot about a lot of these. And they kind of get uh, just put on the shelf. And uh, that's some of the best reports to me that we get is when people say, hey, I went back and picked this movie up because you talked about it. And uh, that's just awesome. I think it's easy to forget these films, you know, like growing up. 
especially yep. stuff like Inner Space. I hadn't seen that for absolutely years. Picked it up on Blu-ray. Andy, I was going to ask if, if uh, when you went back to get the Golden Child, was it like uh, you had a, heard a voice that was like, "Go get the Golden Child." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you were right to buy the Golden Child. <laughs> <laughs> He was weak. He would have betrayed us. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. so so are we here to talk about Osmosis Jones or what? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Okay, man, let's get into it. We're going to talk about Inner Space, the classic sci-fi comedy from the 80s. And to give us a synopsis is a real crappy Duncan McLeish. Hi, Danny, Ricky, and Andy. This is Duncan from the podcast Under the Stairs, and it's my great pleasure to do the synopsis for the movie you're about to discuss. It's Inner Space from 1987, directed by the great man Joe Dante. The movie stars Dennis Quaid as Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton, Martin Short as Jack Putter, Meg Ryan as Lydia Maxwell, Kevin McCarthy as Victor Eugene Scrimshaw, Fiona Lewis as Dr. Margaret Kanker, Vernon Wells as Mr. Igo, and Robert Picardo as the cowboy. The synopsis for the movie, a hapless store clerk must foil criminals to save the life of a man who, miniaturised in a secret experiment, was accidentally injected into him. I can't wait to hear what you guys say about the movie. Just know that I'll be listening. Yeah, that's the crappiest Duncan McLeish I've ever heard. It's rubbish. I don't know who you got in to do that, but that is pathetic, guys. <laughs> what do you think about it? Who did that, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> what do you think about it, kids? <laughs> okay, we'll try better Shut next up, time. <laughs> All right, Danny, kick us off. Why do we watch Inner Space? All right, well, I know it's going to come to a surprise to you that the very first reason to watch Inner Space, in my opinion, is that the effects still hold up. They look fantastic. You wouldn't look yes. at that and say, this is a 1987 blue screen fest. It it just looks awesome. Totally agree. It really does. I, mean, I think to, like, it's even better than... If they did it today, it'd be too CGI. It'd be like you're watching a movie. I don't know how you guys feel about modern CGI. Like, I do think it's got its place, but when you watch stuff like Man of Steel... Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so CGI fest it just kind of takes me out of the movie and with this it feels real even though it's obviously special effects it, it feels totally real and that's what I love about this film the effects are so good even 30 years down the line yeah I totally I agree. agree I agree yep. with you the uh, digital effects they have their place but when they're overused they just they just distract I was going to say like, I think nowadays people like the whole movie is just about the special effects it's like they rely on them to carry it through the movie and for me like good special effects should just be like a little add-on you know just to kind of uh, just to kind of bring everything together and that's what this movie does like you've got the amazing characters the great script the great story and then the special effects is kind of the icing on the cake yeah well put that's that's exactly what we defend on these old movies all the time is whoopity do you can do some great effects but there's no story so uh yeah, yeah man this movie's fun i mean that I, I can't explain how much fun it was to go back and revisit this one because i really had forgotten about it the first thing i've got is the spielberg and joe dante combination i mean don't beat it yeah Incredible direction, great storytelling. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, this, this, this feels like a Spielberg movie. It's such an adventure, isn't it? Like right. that's what I love about this movie. Like you literally just go on an amazing, like almost two-hour adventure. Yeah, uh, there's just very, very little movies these days that give you that same kind of feeling of excitement. 
it's such a weird combination because it is very action based, but the comedy in it is is exciting. Yeah, Andy was telling us when we were talking about this, uh, who was originally cast as the uh, as the clerk who gets uh, the injection where he's got the micronized uh, astronaut in him. And who was that, Andy? Mel Gibson. <laughs> I like how you Can it. you imagine? <laughs> Just would not have worked. Mel Gibson and comedy just do not go together. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be a sequel to Tripoli or something. Helming. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max 4, Inner Space. He would have done that as well. After he signed, he shouldn't have signed up for Mad Max 3. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> I do think that Martin Short probably got his haircut from Mel Gibson. It's pretty close. <laughs> I look just like it. It's the same haircut. Andy, what's your reasons to watch this movie? Oh, Mr. Igo. Sure. Mr. Igo. Vernon awesome. Wells. Amazing. He's literally the spitting image of my mate's granddad as well. He also used to have a BMW. <laughs> this, this is the guy that when I was about 12, he used to drive us to the video shop every weekend and literally let us get whatever horror films we wanted. It was amazing. And he looked just like Mr. Igo. But what a great villain. What an absolutely amazing villain with his interchangeable hand and his uh, his pistol finger. Right. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm going to have to to change my vote to the very first reason to watch this. I agree, Mr. Igo. He's pretty awesome, man. That's one of the notes He's I had. He modeled his uh, on a Terminator. Yeah. That's what he was going for. I've got Vernon Vernon Wells points. <laughs> Cuz when you watch him walk and he's got the hand that's the gun. And he's, like, pointing everywhere his hand goes. <laughs> it's amazing. I like how he's got a special driving hand as well. <laughs> right. You <laughs> have to change it over to drive. A big one for me, going back and watching this, Meg Ryan looks like my wife in this movie. Nice. And lucky you, because Meg Ryan, especially 80s Meg Ryan, is, right. is about the cream of the crop there. Yeah, this, this is what my wife looked like back in our, you know, 20s or so. The haircut and everything. I was like, wow. I didn't realize Good how work. much they looked alike. So, yay me. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't you recently celebrate uh, an anniversary as well with your missus? Sure did, yeah. Uh, how many years was it? 19 years married. We've been together since I was 14. So, <laughs> Man, that is incredible. Because you look like Meg Ryan. <laughs> hey, you know, exactly. you hold on to it. You don't let go. That's right. <laughs> And I, uh, I like your photo as well, bro. I don't, I don't know if that was deliberately meant to look like the scene from The Naked Gun when you're running through the sea together. <laughs> <laughs> we try yeah. and make as much look like The Naked Gun as possible over here in America. It's just a requirement. I, my entire life is just based on that movie. Heck yeah. Oh. Apart from the O.J. Simpson, yeah, I could do without that. I keep waiting for somebody to ask me to sing the national anthem of the game so I can do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, flag does that. Still wave. Oh, yeah. In the home of the land. In the land of the free. Free. Awesome. Play ball. We're on the wrong movie here, folks. Oh, yeah. We've gone off on a right tangent. There's so many right. things, man. Dick Miller being the taxi driver. Come on. That's awesome. That's pretty good on here from Gremlins. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's in everything. So, so the second thing I've got, the second thing I've got is uh, the Rogues Gallery, and Mister Igo's in there because I've got the cowboy, I've got 
Victor Eugene Scrimshaw. I've got Fiona Lewis as the Dr. Canker. And Vernon Wells as Mr. Igo. They're a great bunch of bad guys. Right. So good. And, and they all get their own little introduction, too. You know, they, they appear and they have their own little music. And they have, like, like uh, Dr. Canker, you know, has the other doctor. And she's like, what about me now? You know, and Mr. Igo, of course, has his hand. Uh, Victor Scrimshaw is like the the mastermind behind the whole thing, and the cowboy's got his own theme music. You know, <laughs> oh. it's just great. His own it's theme great music. Like, yeah, message a little clip of his dancing through to Ricky Man. What is that? That's up there for me with uh, the, like the Friday the Thirteenth Part Four dance. Crispin Glover. Oh yeah, that one of my favorite. Apparently, that originally was uh, ACDC. Yeah, I heard that too. They he was dancing to. You can actually find that it. on YouTube or something, where he's actually dancing to "Back in Black" or whatever it was. Yeah, "Back in Black." It makes sense when you see his moves. Actually, his timing is spot on. He Another big one I've got is the Mace Boys. <laughs> These guys that come and just start spraying everybody with their little fire <laughs> extinguishers. That's hilarious to me, man. It's so funny, yeah. and the way people do it knocks them out instantly as well. <laughs> well, it's it's such an '80s fix to have like a group of guys in in some kind of workman apparel show up and knock everybody out. It happens in Commando too. It's just the theme of the time. These two movies have a lot of things in common too, man. That's what's amazing. I mean, I know we got Vernon Wells in both, but there's so many things that are the same story you know and it may be just be 80s tropes but it's awesome i, I don't see that it's amazing the same movie at all <laughs> <laughs> well you got the bad guys dressed up undercover coming in either killing people or spraying mace in their face you've got uh the mall scenes in both of them i can keep going <laughs> true same you, you, there's no need to continue you've got me convinced now <laughs> and two points <laughs> who's next Okay, Tuck trying to get Jack's attention by just messing with him, messing with the till when he's at work. <laughs> and one of my favourite lines of the movie as well is the woman from his nightmare going, I'm not buying that aspirin now. <laughs> and that geezer goes, at $800 a bottle, who'd want to? <laughs> yeah, just the, just the guy, next guy in line, isn't it? And then obviously when he goes home and he's like messing with his telly and firing the videotape through the, through the window. It's awesome. <laughs> Poor Jack, he does not know what's going on. He thinks he's possessed. Yeah. I'm possessed. <laughs> it's amazing. He says to the doctor, oh, oh man, now, now he's talking about God. <laughs> well, see, and, and that's one of the things that makes the movie is is Martin Short. His comedy is so spot on for this. Right. Absolutely. The only other person I can think of that would be so good would be Mel Gibson. <laughs> Hell me. I know, it's a shame. I think Mel was busy. Mel was busy growing a mullet. Well, you gotta Lethal do what you gotta two. do. Bird I was on gonna the say, Lethal Weapon 2 is probably my favorite of the... Yeah, 2, two is pretty good with the diplomatic immunity. <laughs> you All have right. to admit, in this movie, you've got the most athletic scientist ever. <laughs> this guy oh, basically yeah, runs a marathon. <laughs> he's the idea of a full-grown the man in running away on a bike, you know? Riding a child's bike like a little BMX. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like in England, a lot of adult men seem to ride around on BMXs, and I think it probably tends to be drug dealers in hindsight. But yeah, there's something <laughs> funny about that. Well, yeah, and I mean, he's he's off too. Man. He's off to the races. He well, he jumps the fence and hangs on for dear life over the edge. Then he jumps back up and gets on the bike. And it's it's totally necessary. I mean it. It isn't necessary for the story, but it makes such a great little little 
transition to to introduce Jack Putter's character. Just been told as well, hasn't he? Like no excitement, no matter what happens, no excitement, and then the next minute, yeah, he's just injected in the ass, and it all uh, it all starts with poor Jack. <laughs> right after the doctor tells him, now make sure you stay calm and collected. Don't have any excitement in your life. Right. Yeah, it's brilliant, because when he's booking the cruise tickets, the guy goes, how about a little uh, holiday romance? And he's like, well, yeah, all right, as long as it's not too exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the when the delivery guy comes to, to knock him off, and uh, yeah. he gets, like, sit down to his heart, and he's trying to keep from going in the heart. All that stuff's awesome. That's a great special effect as well, the heart. From there on, it's just, it's just a race. Everything's going from there. I do have Ozzy's Toast in here is one of mine. Remember they're drinking yeah. and they do toast to Ozzy. Oh yeah, man! And, uh, Jack getting drunk as well and twisting the night away. More, more crazy dancing. And that gets us to Cowboy. Man, you know, Vic, uh, Robert Picardo is the cowboy. He really chews up the scenery whenever he's on there. What an amazing character that guy! When we first see him in the nightclub, just doing his uh, his little dances. He's a proper ladies' man, isn't he? <laughs> he would have you believe it. I make love with my boots on. <laughs> and I don't know what the other thing is, whispers to Meg Ryan, which she does not look impressed. No, not at all. <laughs> she looks a little appalled. Uh, Pretty disgusted. I don't know what he said. And I love the fact that uh, going back to uh, the guys, the, the delivery guy trying to knock off Martin Short, and then when I go, comes outside and his car's being towed. <laughs> <laughs> That sets us up for the uh, for the frozen truck as well. With, right. Uh, poor Jack back with his teeth chattering. <laughs> yeah, something just, about that scene and the escape scene from that truck, it always stuck with me from when I was a kid watching that movie. It's just right. such a great little... Well, because the guy's talking to him. And, and, and also, Dennis Quaid's talking to him and telling him, you got to get out of here. You're the man. You got to get out. You know, and then he jumps through the, the back door. Not your horringy call. I don't know how to do the effect where Martin Shaw is literally stood on the windshield of that car. Right. I don't know how they did that, but it actually looks like he's genuinely surfing on the windscreen. It's amazing. I'm pretty sure he did it. I mean, there's no way to really put it off any other way. It's it's a a up front, you know, face front shot. You see him holding onto the door, his foot over on the window. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they had to plan all that out, but I'm pretty sure that's him doing the stunt. Did Did anybody else remember the the whole like uh, sex toy on the hand yeah. thing with Mr. Ico? Straight out of Kentucky Fried yeah. Movie. As a ch- as a child, I did. I just didn't know what that was. Like, <laughs> I think it was only when I watched this movie probably about ten years ago that I went, "Oh my god, that's that's a vibrator on his hand." <laughs> I did did not sleep. <laughs> I expected to hear. You have our gratitude at the end of it. That didn't happen. It's just like a scene from Kentucky Fried Movie. Do you know what else? Right? Is uh, did anybody else notice as well? Like when when you see the close up on Igo's like uh, utility hand, there's a little uh, VGA port for connecting it to a computer monitor. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do with that. Just anything that looked cool at the time, I guess. That's it. They obviously just kind of cobbled that together, but it's like a blowtorch, a vibrator, a gun, a VGA monitor port. Pretty useful uh, little little kit to have around. Right. Hey man, he's Mr. Igo. I can't think of anything else you would need, you know. That pretty much covers it all. Exactly. Low <laughs> torch, computer, you're away. Maybe a pair of pliers so you can uh you can repair your chainmail vest. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. 
naked Gumby. He's got a Swiss Army wrist. <laughs> I'm going out on a limb on this one, but Mr. Scrimshaw says in one of the parts, we've got to get that pod out of you, which if you know who Mr. Scrimshaw is in real life, not real life, but he was the uh, the main character in the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Body Snatchers, yeah. yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So when he said That's that, I just instantly note. thought, you know, well, it's kind of a little, kind of a little rip there. He's quite the leading man in uh, Body Snatchers too. Yeah, he's also. Well, I need to see that one. I've uh, I've watched the remake recently because I got the Arrow release of that, but I need to see the original one. Uh, the remake's good. The remake's incredible. But he's also in UHF. Yeah, he's the he's the evil network owner. That's right. That's one of our favorites. I just got to say, like when they micronize uh, Tuck. They like centrifuge him, you know, for like an hour and like he, he shrinks down, you know, and, and it looks awful. Yeah. But then when they shrink the bad guys, they're set up. They just sit in a room and it shrinks yeah. them. Well, that's something I had in my notes. Their, <laughs> their lab is much cooler than, than the scientist had. Way more up to date. It didn't look like it was put together by duct tape. <laughs> it's pretty high tech. <laughs> like in the... <laughs> In the lab at the beginning, they pretty much just use a vacuum cleaner just to suck all the tiny little pieces of tuck. <laughs> it's a really bad effect. So, yeah, that's something I definitely noticed is, you know, their lab was much, much cooler than, than the actual scientists had. Plus, they had Igo in that uh, in that kind of machine as well. Right. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you know, the bad guys, they got the better tech. They just needed the chips. So that's, that's definitely that's something on my list. When I was a kid, like the kind, like the thought of them re-enlarging Igo while he was still in Jack really freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Mess. Yeah, it's sinister. It is as well, because like it's not like they say that behind his back. Like, he, he can hear them saying that. And so that is actually uh, a little bit of horror there. Uh, and uh, again, that's why we talk about these movies is... All these movies still tie into making you a horror fan down the road. They all have these elements. And I think this one's got them, too. The whole transformation, when he's changing back from being the cowboy, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, it, come on. It, it, it's Army of Darkness, that whole transformation scene. When oh, yeah, totally. Bruce, yeah. Bruce Campbell pulls his face out of the book, and he does the... <laughs> that whole scene is just like inner space. It is. It's exactly the same. And it makes me laugh as well because, like, we've got this character development, like, running throughout the film that Jack is just a complete hypochondriac. He's terrified of pain, and he even makes an agreement with Tuck quite early on in the film. He says, look, I'll help you, but you just please, no pain. That's all I ask, no pain. And then when they're going to do the face swap, literally a second before it starts, he says, uh... Is this going to hurt? And he's like, yeah. He goes, well, let's not, let's not do it then. And literally, as he finishes <laughs> his sentence, his face just <laughs> starts to go crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like watching well Total Recall. When they're like pushing the cowboy skin, it looks like it's made of ruby you know, and she's like bending his nose left and right. Right. And it must be his real face. Yeah. But the way she's like rubbing her fingers into his cheek, it looks like he's all kind of rubbery. It's, uh, it's a really strange effect. Okay. So just for the uninitiated, we have to talk about inner space for a second. If you've never seen Inner Space, you need to watch it. Reasons why? The effects still hold up. It's got a rogue gallery of bad guys who are all awesome. They all have their own theme music. They all have their own shtick. It's fantastic. It's a movie about shrinking. You don't see a lot of movies about shrinking, and they do it well, and they do it right. It's got a great adventure atmosphere. It's got a fantastic cast with Henry Gibson, with uh, Vernon Wells, with Kevin McCarthy. You know, it almost had Mel Gibson. Martin Short... 
and Dennis Quaid. I mean, you can't go wrong with with this group of people. But if you haven't watched it, you need to sit down and watch it right now because we'll talk about it and you'll know what we're talking about. I can't recommend this film enough. I mean, I, I think I think most people probably will have seen. I mean, I literally grew up with this movie and then it kind of fell off my radar. Um, and then I finally picked it up because you can't get it on Blu-ray in England. Um, but you can get it on Blu-ray in America. And what I often do when I see like US imports is if you go onto Blu-ray.com, it will tell you if it's region locked or not. And luckily for me, um, the US import of uh, Inner Spaces is region free. So there's no region code on it. So there's no excuse not to pick this up on uh, Blu-ray. And it's a really good transfer as well. Like The, the video is really nice and crisp and clear. The surround sound effects are great. I'm blown away by how well it holds up. I haven't seen it in such a long time. And I actually enjoyed watching this again. I mean, I had visions in my head of what I remember from before, but this just made it more solid. It's just a great, fun movie. It's really the only other version of, like, Fantastic Voyage we've had since Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. And uh, I'm surprised somebody hasn't remade Fantastic Voyage, but... I think, you know, this is the 80s twist of that movie and just giving you your your 80s fun that we're used to. And uh, it's just a great combination. And it's magic with with the, the cast, too. I mean, without any of these people, it wouldn't be the same movie. So just perfectly casted. Yeah, I mean, I think all the chips just fell perfectly. For me, it's similar to the kind of thing with Ghostbusters. Just everything kind of fell perfectly, almost like there was kind of a higher power just controlling how great everything kind of fell together. And I've just got to mention one last thing as well. Like, Jack's character arc is one of my favorite character arcs of any character in any film. He starts off just this absolute dweeb, you know, hypercontract. He's terrified of everything. He's, and then by the end of the movie, he's a hero. Right. Yeah. He's ready to jump and go, and he, you know, he jumps in the car and takes off, and he's not afraid of danger anymore. So uh, it's amazing. He's, he's free. It's almost like he was imprisoned in his own mind. And Jack is free by the end of that movie. You know, the girl asks him out. He says no. The guy, the doctor wants to do some tests on him. He says, no, I don't want, I don't need any tests. I'm cured. You know, the guy at work offers him, you know, wants him in the office to work. He's like, I'm not, I'm, I quit. You know, his life just changes at the end of the movie. And it's, it's such a feel moment. Yeah. And he kind of tosses that boat, you know, his bow tie into the air and jackpot to the rescue. It kind of right. makes me want to do an air punch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's a great, it's a great comedy adventure. And it's done really well with fantastic special effects that just add one more element to make it that much better. And beyond that, you know, we're not even talking about the the, the romance between Tuck and uh, and Meg Ryan's character, the the reporter, which which is also a, a big part of the movie. But you know, just talking about all that we are, it's it's easy to leave something out that that's still a big part of it. That's how good this movie is. Yeah, as a kid, I don't think I like appreciated kind of the, the chemistry, obviously, between uh, Jack and Lydia as well, because she kind of sees Tuck in Jack, right? And that little kind of nod she gives him at the end, you know, like when they kind of smile at each other before she gets in the car with Tuck. Yeah. Almost, she kind of like you know, it's like a like an almost like an acknowledgement of yeah, we you know we kind of like, we've got a real connection as two. I thought that was uh, quite a nice little touch. So yeah, great great movie, I and mean, it's it's a ton of fun. You won't be disappointed in it. I mean, it, for the ones that have seen it, you know what it is. Revisit it for sure. The ones that haven't, if you love the eighties, if you love movies that are just fun and just funny, 
but still has really cool effects. We didn't even talk about the bad guys getting shrunk down and being in the back of the car or any of that stuff. All of it's great. Some of the one-liners just made me laugh as well when Scrimshaw gets uh, gets shrunk. He's like, officer, help me out. I know the mayor. <laughs> it's just these <laughs> weird little lines. Like, so what? It doesn't matter that you know the mayor. You're three foot tall, mate. You know, <laughs> these little one-liners are great. I was just going to say, you're, you're right. The 50% uh, reduction in their size. From that point on, there are all these little practical effect jokes, you know, where, where they, they can't reach the the cradle of the uh, of the telephone booth where right. they, they've got to, you know, boost each other up to get in the car. And, and there's a fight scene in the car where there are two <laughs> micronized people trying to choke the driver. And yeah, the whole fight scene is fantastic because it's interspliced with Took Fighting Igo as well, isn't it? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, with with uh, with Igo trying to, to drill through the the window panel, and that's what scared me as a kid was yes. was him taking that drill to the window panel of the pod. Yeah, and he's drilling through that glass. It's really scary. Yeah, really kind of crazy looking his yeah. eye as well. Even the fact of when he dips him in the in the the stomach acid, and it just a skeleton hanging on to the the side of the thing was kind of creepy too. So creepy, and I love how he says, "Jack, you just died just the, the bad guy." guy. <laughs> he like does a bad. I love too when I, they when they put all the bad guys down in the shrinking booth. Oh, don't worry, they'll never figure out how to shut it. <laughs> and hit a button, it yeah. closes. <laughs> and the and Mister Igo too when, when he's in that that pod that protects him from the body, and then it's like, well, the pods uh, the pods compromised somehow. So he's like, oh well, I'll just jettison from the pod. Like right. that dude's fearless. Yeah. He's a bad dude. He's one of my favorite 80s villains, for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll give it a rating. I'll give it 12 <laughs> Osmosis Jones. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? I'm going to give it 25 British Summer Times. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I'm going to give it uh, 10 Martin Shorts. Ooh, amazing. Yeah. And as always, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. <laughs> 10 Mel Gibsons. That's right. So let's, Wasn't uh, Mel Gibson also going to be in Big Trouble in Little China? I, I don't know. Or was Maybe? the Golden Child? It was the Golden, golden Child. child. He, was, he was one oh of the people God. that they wanted. Right. I think, yeah. What What is wrong yep. with Mel Gibson? Like, stop trying to worm your way into the people. You've got your own film. Stop trying to ruin anyone else's. <laughs> well, they keep replacing him with comedians. And it's so strange, isn't it? Because like, obviously, there's some amazing like dry humor, black humor in like the Lethal Weapon movies. But like, I do not think of, of comedy when I think of Mel Gibson. Like, I just don't. Yeah, but it you know at the same time you can see it because you know Lethal Weapon the movies you know he's he's got some funny stuff going on there. Um, yeah, no, that's fantastic. But yeah, I just can't imagine him doing like a kind of uh, almost sort of slapstick. I mean, right, straight up. Comedy. Well is uh, like I think Eddie Math um, who was supposed to be in Beverly Hills Cop. I'm sure that was Mel Gibson as well. Was meant to be in Beverly Hills Cop wow. before it was um, before it was Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was just following him around for parts, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, Golden Child, sure, I'll take it. Uh, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop, you got it. <laughs> and as always, we have to ask Brian Blessed what he thinks. Brian Blessed, what do you think? Die! I, I, I take that as he liked it. That's kind of his ambiguous there. Yeah. It's hard Could to be. know with Brian Blessed. He seems to say the same thing no matter what you ask him. I, think he's, I don't know if he's confused. <laughs> we'll be right back. We interrupt your programming with this live Hail Ming report. Hi, folks. This is Rick 
coming to you live from the Rogers Nelson Mall. And I'm here to tell you about a neat little gift item here. The Zip Cable Copter Ring. It's a neat little gift for the kids and you older kids out there alike. You can find the Zip Cable Copter Ring in the middle of the mall being sold by this gentleman right here, Mr. Eric Taylor. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about how this fascinating product works. Well, you pull this little cord right here and it launches the copter ring with flights up to heights about 40 feet in the air. And it'll return right back to where you launched it from. You see, it has this... Sorry, folks, hold on. There seems to be a distraction on the upper floor of the mall. Oh, oh, that was a shot. That was definitely a shot. I'm getting my copter rings out of here. And, and there's a man, I see him. He's holding up his hand to his face and he's blowing on his finger. Faster! I don't know if that's some kind of gang sign or... And people are really starting to freak out now. People are running everywhere. Tear up my stuff. There's a guy in a doctor's jacket acting like a lunatic, and people are just getting out of his way. Oh, he lunged toward what looks like Mel Gibson. Well, Mel Gibson's hairdo. Hey, bring that uh, he's back. He's pulling on his pants. It's like a Sodom and Gomorrah in here. I'm going to call the cops oh, here. Here mall security. The security is go. jumping into action. Hopefully they'll get this under control. I think the pointing man just killed a penguin. I can't believe what I'm seeing here. And another shot. And now the guy dressed like a doctor has collapsed. And members from the furries convention in town have surrounded the man. Not really sure what to make of all this. I'll try to get more answers and get right back to you. This is Rick from the Hell Ming Report. Everybody get out of the way. Get out of the way. Shalom. I am here for you. On your lonely nights, when you need a technological edge on your competitor, or lonely nights when you need someone who makes love with his boots on, I am here for you, corporate spy. Disco Goddess Cheer for Jew Cowboy Your Cowboy Alright, welcome back Now we're going to talk about some action <laughs> Verdon Wells Which like you didn't get enough action in the other one This one is over the top not the movie over the top. That's for a different show. That had action. <laughs> Kinda. The action of Stallone, you know, turning his cap around. <laughs> it's like a little switch. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Commando. What an awesome movie, man. This one this oh, one's great. And we have Andy to thank for these movies because, you know, they were they were recommendations that he brought to the table and and why not? They're definitely both awesome 80s movies that we remembered and and have an, and we're going to have a good time covering them for right. sure trying to think of like a tenuous link between movies and like Vernon Wells I suppose another one we could have done would have been The Road Warrior as well Absolutely. another amazing movie Vernon Wells in yeah oh yeah so the name of this episode is going to be called All's Well with Vernon Wells oh nice <laughs> <laughs> it's these thoughts that kept me out of the really good schools <laughs> This movie also has a great rose gallery in it, to be sure. Before we get started, you guys ready for another synopsis? I'm not sure. 
Who have you got this time? <laughs> we, to give us a synopsis on Commando, here's a real crappy Sean Connery. Hello. Is this on? I don't know if this is on. <laughs> I, I said I'd retire from this work. <laughs> what? I'll just read the, read the line. Okay. That's not a problem. Hey, what's this for? Heal who? That's the most ridiculous name I've ever heard for a podcast. The Hail Ming Power Hour. What am I reading here? Commando, was I in that movie? I wasn't in that movie. Who was? Oh, that man. Alright. Okay, let's see. Hello, this is Sean Connery, and I'm here at the bequest of the Hail Ming Power Hour to do the synopsis for Commando from 1985, directed by Mark L. Lester. The movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as John Matrix, Ray Don Chong as Shindy, Dan Hedaya as El Presidente, <laughs> Vernon Wells as Bennett, James Olsen as Major General Franklin Kirby. I could have played a, a rather good Major General Franklin Kirby. What do you mean I can't do an American accent? Fuck off. Uh, the synopsis for this uh, movie is A retired elite black ops commando launches a one-man war against a group of South American criminals who have kidnapped his daughter to blackmail him into starting a revolution after getting an exiled dictator back into power. Right, where's the f***ing check? I'm out of here. That was better than the Duncan McLeish impression from earlier. <laughs> Sounded just like Duncan. Oh, oh man! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Pretty crazy. Next time you talk to Duncan, you'll have something to talk about. Oh, I don't need help. Talk to again after that. <laughs> Danny, why do we watch Commando? All right, I'm going to ask everybody out there a question, and this is how I'm going to illustrate to them that they need to watch the movie Commando. Do you like the movie Taken with Liam Neeson? Sure you do. But you know what? It would be better if it had Arnold Schwarzenegger and at the end he fought like 3,000 dudes. <laughs> because like seriously, this that's the movie. He spends the first half killing like five dudes and then he spends the last 10 minutes killing like 3,000 dudes and then one last dude. And it's awesome. <laughs> It's funny, Andy and I said the same thing. Uh, I sent him a message saying, man, this is, you know, Taken ripped off Commando. I remember being so impressed with Taken because it came out of left field. Like, I did, like, obviously Liam Neeson has probably done about 15 movies now where he's this, like, badass guy. But when Taken came out, like, he, he hadn't done anything like that before. And it's an amazing movie, Taken. It's just nowhere near as much fun as this. I agree. Uh, where can you see this much carnage but it'd be fun. It's really different, but at the same time, you know, that that's the that's the tech. You know, you it's one man against an army and he's unstoppable. Yeah, he's and I've decided dude. that for this podcast, I'm not going to refer to him as Arnold Schwarzenegger or Arnie or any of that. From now on, he's John Matrix because because he's John Matrix. Yep. He goes into some kind of zone and plays this character, and he's like nothing else he's ever played. Say what you want about Arnold Schwarzenegger's acting, and I know there is some stuff that he's done that is pretty ropey. I think his performance and his like presence and charisma in this movie is up there with one of his best ever. I think John Matrix is a character. He just pulls it off. It's phenomenal. Yep. 
you know perfect grill schwarzenegger is is solid you know he's he can only do so much with what he's got to work with but he does a lot so you got nemo out there messing around in the fake matrix this is the real matrix this is the the real deal the john matrix Helming. <laughs> totally agree. It, it's you know the movie was built for him. There's no doubt about it. And just the action sequences along, man, <laughs> it just moves so fast. So many things happen that if you described it to somebody, they'd just be looking at you like you're out of your mind. He jumps off a plane. I mean, the opening, the opening shot is just like three assassinations in a row. <laughs> Apart from the opening scene, isn't it pretty much? It's amazing. You know what I like about it the best? The price. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you'd miss me. Don't worry. You won't. I've got it in my notes. The very first thing is workman killers, a fine 80s tradition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, really, we just like, saw it in like, inner oh, space. Kind of the same thing. It's like the so, beginning of... You can um, get away with anything if you've got a workman's uniform on. All you need is a boiler suit. Just look at Michael Myers. That's right. Boiler suit. He's away. It's all the equipment you need. My, my second reason to watch Commando, Vernon Wells. He was my second really? reason in both movies. He's an unlikely kind of badass as well, like, especially in Commando, because he shouldn't be threatening with his like Freddie Mercury moustache and his <laughs> chainmail vest. Obviously, anyone's going to look skinny next to Schwarzenegger, but you know he's not really in particularly good shape. But he's an absolutely amazing villain in this man. Just like Bennett. At the end, you know the whole fight scene and just his comments. <laughs> I don't need a gun. I'm gonna kill you. There's definitely some kind of homoerotic thing going on yeah, there between him and Matrix. Like, I think he secretly has fancied Matrix like for his entire life, and it's just drove him crazy. And he finally <laughs> snaps at the end. I, I got that in my notes too. That they're like when he says, "You don't need a gun. Come on." He, he's look. He's looking at him like, "Oh my god, I want you so much." <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird as well. Almost like these kind of sexual innuendos. You want to put the knife in me? <laughs> See what's going on in there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty messed up. Oh, do you know what? Another thing I don't know if you ever noticed, like when uh, when Benny gets on the boat at the beginning, they call him Wes, which is a little nod to his character in Road Warrior. Ah. The guy says, "Morning, Wes. How you doing?" And he's like, "All right, fellas." And I thought that was pretty cool. I never noticed that before. Huh? That's cool. Another reason now uh, yes, another reason. Uh, James Horner's epic score with the steel drums. <laughs> yeah, it, we get that on the notes the most, too. It's the most angry I've ever heard steel drums and a flute. <laughs> they sound so angry. <laughs> it does. It's amazing, but it works. It works so well. Right, and um, people are going to laugh at me for this, but I, have, I sometimes have the commando soundtrack on when I'm working out. Yeah. That yes. makes sense. It gets me so psyched up, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Angry steel drums. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's definitely weird, man, but I got you. Oh, James Horner, yeah. man. You, you might remember from the first episode. That's right. Little James Horner sat in the corner writing the music from Krull. That's right. Along came, came a spider, spider and they put it in the movie. Put it in the, mood, put it in the movie, yeah. <laughs> so you got Workman Killers, then you got Vernon Wells, and, you know, like, Here's here's the first thing I remember from watching the movie in Commando, you know the, the they come up to him and Alyssa Milano after she's put some ice cream on his nose and all that goes down, and and they say you know we need you to come back people are killing people off and 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 we we station these two guys to protect you, <laughs> and of course one of those guys gets killed right away and then and then John Matrix is like well they're still downwind, 
And the guy's like, what do you expect me to do? Spell them? And he's like, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Oh, man. It just shows what a badass Matrix is there from the start. Like, if carrying a tree on his shoulder wasn't cool enough, he can now smell <laughs> bad guys downwind. Do you know what makes me laugh as well? Like he's chopping wood and there's smoke coming out of his chimney like he's got a fire going, but it's in the middle of summer. Yeah. Like how hot do you need your house? He sees oh, the person yeah. sneaking up on him in the in the shiny head of his his axe too. Yeah. He's just a bad dude, man. He's just badass, isn't he? Right. Go ahead. One of the things they keep doing with him too is they've got he's got like the alertness going. If you know anything about John Matrix and the actor who plays him, I, I forget what his name is, but like he's oh, got this to- facial expression. It's kind of crazy, like he's like he's getting something shoved in his spine, and that's like his alertness face. He's like, <laughs> he sees stuff. He's, he's like an action man. He just want to like his eyes moving left and right, like someone's playing with the switch on the back of his head. It's that perception that we were given through the eighties of what these super military trained guys were like, where they never rest and they always are on the defense ready to jump into action. So it just really plays on that a lot. This is the closest like comparison to um, Stallone's Rambo. Like, right. John Matrix is literally Arnold's version of uh, John Rambo, I think. I thought the yeah. exact same thing. I thought that's what they tried to do. They tried to make him yeah. the Rambo equivalent. Well, he's he's no he's no Remo Williams. Of course not. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, I watched that film so much. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. What about Dan Hedaya there, the, the guy who plays El Presidente? <laughs> He's really struggling with that accent. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing in the 80s. Like, uh, right, a lot of the films we watched in, in doing the nasty, like, they, they wouldn't get a foreign actor. They'd just get a white guy, put a tan on him, and then get him to do a bad accent. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay, so for, for those of you out there who haven't seen Commando... We're telling you what to look for, but but here's the plot so far. John Matrix out in the woods chopping some wood. He finds out there's danger. Other people like him have been getting killed. Some guys come in, break in, steal his, his daughter. Then they say, you got to do a job for us or we'll kill her. That's it so far. Right. So they try to put him on a plane, send him to South America to kill off the president that's there. And the, uh, the plane idea doesn't work out too well for the bad guys. Hell no. I mean, this I mean, brings us to stunts. Like, I think yesterday, Ricky, you just messaged me. You just, I mean, you just messaged stunts. Just the word stunts. And like, yeah. We've already had Matrix basically pushing a car down the hill and then jumping in with no brake. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah, oh, is. my God. It's so good. He's still coming, crazy bastard. <laughs> and I don't really understand how he's still coming because he passes him once. Why didn't, I don't know why they keep driving back into his path. I, th- I think you have to. I think you have to understand roads in California. Yeah. I think a lot of California roads like double back because there's so so many like uh, like high elevations. Yeah, they're definitely okay. on a mountain top, and the road just zigzags back and forth down one side of the hill. So. But it's funny because they go, "Oh man, he's going to hit us," and I thought, "Well, just hang back, then. He's going to go past you in a minute." Yeah, if you'll just stop and let him roll on down the hill, then you can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we never wouldn't have the amazing fight at the bottom, would we? <laughs> oh, right, right. He, he fights them all on the bottom, and then what do they do? They shoot him with a trank dart. <laughs> well, yeah, just but another. Bennett wanted to use the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my favorite thing from 80s is trank darts. Right. 
They're everywhere. And they work instantly as well. Like, there's no, there's nothing to get into your bloodstream. The second that dart hits you, you're out like a light. Well, you know, John Matrix's metabolism is so high. That's what it is. He's so revved up. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I've got on here, well, of course, you know, the, the whole plane sequence. Anytime you're sitting on a plane and somebody asks for a blanket, be aware, because they're about to kill you with their elbow. <laughs> yeah, he's just killed a guy. Don't wake him up. He's dead tired. (laughs) Nose through the brain, elbow to the kill. I love how his um, his, his hands fly up as well when he breaks his neck like a little involuntary spasm. (laughs) Like he's doing a Mexican wave quickly. Brilliant. (laughs) He does. He pops him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. John Matrix kills this guy, gets on the landing uh, gear of the plane, Jumps off as it takes off into the swamp. And then what does he do? He, he takes out his digital watch and he sets it for 11 hours. That's incredible. I mean, they do a similar thing in Catch Me If You Can. He's just nowhere near as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Passenger 57. Uh, yeah. It's another movie. <laughs> that one's not worth getting, man. Straight on Amazon after I finish with you guys. <laughs> Always bet on black. So, so anyway, I also got to give a shout out to, uh, to David Patrick Kelly. Right. Who plays Sully, the the guy who's like trying to hit on Radon Chong and he doesn't quit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's a creep. But I'm not sure I would quit hitting on Radon Chong either. I, mean, I don't know if you've watched the special features on the D V D of uh, Commando, but Radon Chong, oh my god, she did she have a thing for Arnie? She can't stop talking about how amazing he is. I think so, she literally wanted to marry him from what she's saying. So Sully just didn't have a chance. He had no chance, did he? Look at him. He's about five foot tall, terrible suit. And he's hitting on her by saying stuff like, hey, you want to come to my place? Because I can do things to you. I mean, he's like really not charming. It's like, come on, mate. Like, she's not a prostitute. You've got to use some better lines than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get the idea that he's just a sleazebag. Well, like I think I he said, says I've got a big surprise for you. I don't think you <laughs> Like I said, I just grew up hating this guy because he was, he was in the Warriors he was the reason yeah, everything yeah. happened there. He was in Dreamscape. He's the guy that got the big snake head. You know, yeah, he yeah. was going in and trying to kill Ernie Arnold or whoever it was. He was from, on Twin Peaks. So he's just and one of those guys. He's always a weirdo. Yeah, you just hate him. One of the one of the best death death scenes as well for poor Sully. That's the other reason to watch this movie, man. The one liners are just awesome. Yeah, he even says "I'll be and back" they don't early feel on. Cheesy too. to me. Like, I don't know if it's just because I grew up with this movie, but they don't like they all they all work. Like, yeah. A lot of these one-liners now, especially modern films, they're a bit shit. But like, I think I don't know if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's delivery, but he absolutely nails these one-liners. The thing is, you're watching Commando. You don't expect like you know Pulitzer-winning writing. You know, it, it's it's Commando. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to explain the movie so far. We got Workman killing folks. We got Vernon Wells. We got I can smell people downwind because I'm that badass. We got the trank dart. We got John. We got John Matrix alertness eyes where he sees everything, right? Then we've got the plane escape where he escapes off the landing gear of the plane. Awesome. Which, which brings me to my next. The feats of strength, right? Like, like him pushing that car down the hill, like him picking up a telephone booth with a dude in it. Oh, <laughs> that's the best off mall cops man they 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 scramble like a dozen mall cops after this guy (laughs) just swinging through the balloon like tarzan oh man yeah to me there's two scenes in this movie that i was always stop and rewind and just watch and him swinging across there on top of the elevator is incredible 
And uh, yeah. I mean, I know it's not Arnold, but whoever did that, that's crazy. I think it was the guy from the sword. The <laughs> dude from Sword and Sorcerer. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and the feats of strength don't even end with that. Like, he tears the seat out of Radon Chong's car so he can, like, you know, ostensibly so he can hide, right? But he still doesn't really hang out low. He's still kind of right there where you can see him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine how high even if he didn't. He'd be, like, sticking past the ceiling. <laughs> it's true. He'd be like He'd be like a billboard. and then another thing you haven't gotten to yet but to me is just incredible is when he gets in the little the little shack that has all the uh garden wares and stuff and he throws the saw blades oh man the shed that one saw blade that hits that dude's head i used to watch that over and over and try to figure out how did they do that you uh, know the um the shed scene right because the first time i ever watched this movie was on england on english television like in the uh, late 80s it's the first time i saw it the shed scene was completely removed so it wasn't for about five years when i finally bought it on dvd or video the shed scene was in can you imagine like my delight (laughs) when i first saw that i didn't know that scene existed because it was missing and then all of a sudden oh man the shed scene it's was it sorry. was it cut for time or content? Content too violent. Well, you know, in America we cut things for sex, not violence. Oh, really? Talking yeah. of sex, well, I know you guys said keep it clean, but you know the couple in the apartment when he's fighting Cook, Ava Cadell. What are they doing? Because she's behind him. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Man, I just rewatched that movie and I missed this scene somehow. I must have been out of the room. Yeah, it's when uh, uh, Bill Duke. And uh, Arnold are fighting, and they bust through the wall, and they go in that couple's room. Oh, yeah, room. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bill Duke, like, man. Yeah, Bill Duke. Yeah, they, they come up from under the bed sheet, and like, he's in front, and she's behind. And I'm just, I was confused. I'm still confused <laughs> about what was going on. That's the way we do it in America. Yeah, it's just different. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill Duke, man. This dude, of course, he was in Predator. Um, but he's to great me. In Predator. To me, if you, if you really look at him, if you put long, curly black hair on him, he's he's a black Gene Simmons, man. He talks like him. He looks like him. It is the <laughs> weirdest thing. He looks like Gene Simmons, I swear. Well, and, and how many times has Gene Simmons gotten in a Cadillac and just driven it right through the glass window of the, you know, the Not dealership? Yeah, yeah. I like Cadillacs. Well, Gene can't drive, so that's the reason why. That I mean, I've always said that. I remember when I seen Predator for the first time, I was like, God, it looks like the guy looks like Gene Simmons. <laughs> so like so what, like John Matrix, he kills Sully, he kills Bill Duke, and then he's like, you know what we need to do? We need to go arm ourselves like we're a whole big army. <laughs> and just goes to an army surplus store that happens to have like a whole like arms dealership in the back. Hey, he needs about a dozen grenades and four or five guns, and he's going to go fight 3,000 like uh, Costa Ricans. He's going to need a lot of ammo. Right. And man, you get the montage of him getting suited up after he comes in off the coast. I used to watch the scene from when he suits up to the end after school every day for I don't know how long. Wow. That's where I'd started from. I was obsessed. Never-ending ammo, man. It's just He just keeps going. You never see him reload. Yeah. Well, and when he gets into the shed, you know he's he's had to take everything off because that one grenade kind of hit his side. Yeah. So he's got to he's got to drop all his stuff and run into the shed. 
and he doesn't have a gun, but he just kills those guys with the bustle blades, and then he takes that dude's gun. Oh, yeah, he does. And look, yeah. that guy's got infinite bullets, too. But him so, launching all those grenades and those guys just flying in the air, it's just awesome. When he we kills the same guy more than once as well. I don't know if they just didn't have enough actors. <laughs> we can't gloss over the fact that, that, like, from the point where he kills Bill Duke and steals his, uh, his Cadillac, he gets a bulldozer, bulldozes through the surplus store, <laughs> loads up. The cops can come and get him. They put him in a, a paddy wagon, and they're going to take him away. <laughs> and, then, and then Radon Chong takes a missile launcher, and, and first she shoots the wrong way. And then they're like, oh, no, you know, and they get they try to get away. She turns around and she just blows up a, you know, thing with him in it. That's awesome. How yeah, did she know I was not going to kill him? My wife stepped in the room when when that was happening. She, she was like, is she not worried about killing him? I was like, it's John Matrix. You're not going to kill him. Yeah. Your wife <laughs> just walks in, sees that scene and just walks straight back out again, shaking her head again. <laughs> Well, and, and he says, "How did you know how to fire that thing?" She says, "I read the directions." <laughs> I've got another reason to watch the movie. Uh, if that's not enough for you, Raynon Chong is a pilot, right? She gets in that plane, she gets it going, and she gets it in the air so it doesn't hit that boat. And the look on her face. <laughs> Stop it and look at the look on her face. He's pretty lucky that he managed to kidnap someone who's a pilot. I think. Yep, all things fall into place. He had fortune on his side today, John Matrix. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to throw a little bit of trivia in looking into it. The writer of this movie was a guy named Jeff Loeb, and he is one of my all-time favorite comic book writers. Uh, he, he wrote a, a Batman um, uh, Batman Hush. It's a graphic novel. It's okay. excellent. I wish more action movies were like this now. Instead of this crap we get, we lose the fun of it now. It's It's... We're, we're too afraid to make it entertaining and people go, oh, that never happened. Well, guess what? None of this would ever really happen. The shootout and everything at the end is just classic. The fight at the end, we didn't even talk about Vernon Wells' chainmail outfit very much, which is <laughs> iconic. I remember used to looking at that going, why is he wearing that? Well, it's you know, a weird one, isn't it? It's like, I've never seen chainmail really on anybody else. Lord of the Rings, like me thrill, but you know, just in a normal action movie, like chainmail, and took it to the next level with that. You know, I, I was watching it, and I'm not sure it's chainmail. I think it might just be a leather weave tank top. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got to get like, one. I definitely remember it as being chainmail, but like I'm watching it, I'm going, maybe he just didn't want to wear like a chainmail vest is a good 45 pounds. Right, it's quite heavy, hasn't it? I, I mean, it depends on the weave. You know, I've, I've worn chainmail before. I used to to do larping here. 45 pounds. Those things are heavy. They make your back hurt after a while. Maybe it was like a workout that he was doing. If I put this vest on and just go about my day, I'm going to burn so many calories. I look just like John Matrix. (laughs) I've got a little breakdown of the last couple here, and I just want to go through it. So they land, and John Matrix is getting ready to, to take on El Presidente and his army. So I've got Arnold in Speedos in a rubber raft. He's rowing. He gets geared up in the scene. He buckles, he sheaths, he loads, he puts on the camo, he hangs a grenade, and then he stands there in the smoke. When he's fighting in the in the uh, compound, he uses like a Spetsnaz exploding knife on some guy, right? Then he sets up some Claymore mines that blow up everything. <laughs> like, like he sets up like six mines, and it blows up the whole compound. And those buildings blow up like 70 times. <laughs> 
So then he kills people with buzz saws from the from the shed. You know, he's just like a one man invasion. Right. And and then I got is it the shirt or does Bennett look kind of dumpy? Anyway, he has, yeah. And apparently, like the guy that was originally meant to play Bennett dropped out, and he was um, slightly smaller, and the vest would fit him better. But apparently, Bernard Wells had to kind of squeeze into it, and he was a little bigger <laughs> than the other guy. John Matrix gets into the building, and then he jumps like forty feet straight down. Yeah. He like jumps off the top and lands, and it's like, oh, and then he like fights some guys. Like you can't do that. Like people commit suicide from jumping that far. <laughs> and then I've got, got I've got Bennett being orgasmic with the knife. And uh, yeah. then I've got furnace doors are hot because they're like hitting each other against that furnace, and, and nobody seems to really care. And he <laughs> and electrocutes Ben. He electrocutes it. That's the best. <laughs> then a I horrific got, scream. He's yeah, electrocuted. It's awesome. <laughs> Rick, I, I think you you have a sound bite, don't you? Let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, right after he throws the Anyone uh, who's moving his set off steam it is Bennett. He's a pretty uh, uptight guy. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's like when, when your whole when your whole movie is just a setup for one punchline, that right. was it. Well and speaking of one liners or maybe it's a two liner, the uh the guy shows up to rescue John Matrix, right? That which is laughable. Yeah. He says, Did You leave anything for us? <laughs> just bodies. I can't is- actually think of another movie that where the pace is so like the pace of this movie is absolutely phenomenal apart from like the opening three minutes of Schwarzenegger like chucking his kid in the river and feeding the deer and getting ice cream on his nose once that bit's out of the way it's yeah. just a, like a it's so fast like, like there's literally no downtime it's non-stop action for, like five minutes to the end and I can't really think of another movie where the pace is in that spot on yeah and that's the yeah, problem with trying to cover something like this is we're not going to cover it all there's just no way too much stuff in this movie that's it because it's literally action from the minute like we'd, we'd have to it'd, it'd take us 90 minutes to cover it all because so much happens it's amazing well and Alyssa milano comes up to him right after he shoves a, a pipe through through bennett and she's like daddy it's like aren't you even in the slightest bit uh traumatized by by seeing this dude impaled right next to you <laughs> that, that kid would have ptsd man she, she's not bothered <laughs> She's tough. Uh, she is badass. Like, it's unbelievable. I reckon it hasn't kicked in yet. I reckon when she gets on the plane, she just literally goes to pieces as soon as that plane takes off. Well, and she's got a new family now, too, because Radon Chong's going with them. Well, sure. Apparently, like, they shot a love scene between Radon Chong and Schwarzenegger, and it was so awkward they had to cut it out. <laughs> no kidding. So I finished watching this movie on like, on, like, Monday or Tuesday at, like, 1.45 in the morning. And <laughs> Okay. And so the, the I, I waited through the whole credits because this Power Station song, We Fight for Love, was playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And I was so pumped from the movie. <laughs> it was, a, you know, I had to work the next day and I was just sitting here with my fist in the air. And that's yeah. what I was. I was the same. And listeners, li- listeners out there, you need to watch this movie. Yep. Even if you don't listen to the whole podcast, which, you know, this is the end of it, so you have, but <laughs> watch this movie. <laughs> All right, we're gonna give this one a rating. Okay, Do we have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it ten Bill Paxton's. Yeah, he was. He did have a cameo. I had it in He's my in notes, but no, we didn't get to it. I'll give it ten chainmail vests. Andy, I'm gonna give it 40, 43 Freddie Mercury mustaches. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we might have to give it thirty five hundred Costa Rican throwaways. 
I'm going to give it 7,500 bad South American accents. <laughs> Brian Blessed, what do you think? But there's no way I can help a man who's dead. Ah, you just thought he was dead. That's the problem. Good point. <laughs> All right. talking about the guy on the plane. <laughs> right. With the Berenstain Bear hairdo and the, and the big hat. Yeah. <laughs> Where are your hats? <laughs> I guess we'll be right back. <laughs> are you tired of not being stab proof 24 7? Ben, it's ben, changing. changing. Sick of all your buddies being popular with the ladies because you're just not fashionable enough. Ben, it's, ben, it's changing. changing. Do you like your armor to be flexible, meaning you can stretch and lunge whilst remaining protected at all times? Then try Bennett's Chainmail. Bennett's Chainmail. The lightweight, eye-catching choice for a new generation of hipsters for whom being safe is just as important as looking sexy. Bennett's Chainmail. Warning, Bennett's Chainmail will not protect you from 4-inch metal steam pipe thrown at high velocity. Mustache sold separately. Bennett's Chainmail. We interrupt your programming with this live Hail Ming report. I'm here at the Rogers Nelson Mall, where a mall patron has begun to attack mall security. Rena cops have approached some kind of roided up mall goer. He's he's a maniac, folks. He's kicking and punching Rena cops. I think he even threw two of them down the stairs. And now, now he's jumped from one side of the mall to the other. I've never seen anything like this before in my whole broadcasting career. Oh, there's some little guy in a dumpy suit. Yes, he's he's shooting at mall patrons. He's ducked into a telephone booth and oh, the big roid rager. He's he's shaking the telephone booth. There's no telling why that little guy in the dumpy suit isn't shooting him with that gun. That's anybody's guess, folks. Oh, and and now he's he's picked up the telephone booth he's thrown it out of the ground he's fighting cops again oh the little guy in the dumpy suit he shot two mall cops he's shooting people like crazy the roid rager appears to be going after me he's 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 grabbed a hold of some kind of a decoration and he's swinging across like tarzan like tarzan people this is just amazing. Hell, it appears it appears they both chased themselves out of the mall. In my whole career, I've seen nothing like this, folks. This is just... I don't even know. Danny Bennett, signing off. All right, everybody. Really had a fun time, man. This is great getting to talk about these movies. These are overlooked quite a bit. So it's great to revisit them, even for myself, because these I haven't really watched in a while, and they still hold up. It's a lot of fun, and uh, just tickled that Andy came and be a part of this, man, and, and uh, we've been excited about this for a long time, just trying to find the right time to get him on here and everything, so appreciate him coming on. No, it's been absolutely brilliant, guys. I really appreciate it. I absolutely love these movies, and to talk about them with two guys that are just as passionate as me about them has been epic. And Keep doing what you're doing with your show. Um, I absolutely think it's awesome. Just, uh, yeah, keep churning. That's a fun one, and I'll keep listening. Awesome. And Andy, I, I'm super glad that you came on to be with us, and, and I just wanted to say that I hope we did justice to two of your favorite movies because, uh, you know, people need to go out and watch them. 
because they, like we said, they they still hold up. They might be eighties, but they're still excellent movies. Right. Oh man, you to- yeah, you totally did it justice. I mean, I I grew up with these movies, and they are just so much fun, like you say. And I'd be surprised if there's people that are listening to the show that haven't seen. It. I imagine people probably will have seen it and they've just forgotten a bit, like how I forgot about Golden Child and stuff. But yeah, like like Ricky's saying as well, man, they hold up. They totally hold up. Like there's so many films that I kind of I watch ten years later, and I wish I hadn't because in my memory they were great and then it kind of ruins my memory but these movies like i love this you know i love these movies 20 years ago i loved it when i watched them at the weekend and i reckon in 20 years time i'm still gonna love it so yeah man awesome thank you so much for having me on uh, andy if you will man take the time plug yourself let people know where they can find you at man okay it's like this i'll be pretty quiet on the uh, big horror little podcast front obviously you can uh, catch a uh, very small back uh, back catalogue that we've got obviously we've got either back catalogue of doing the nasty as well very often appear on Duncan shows so you can catch me on that and I'm coming up also on their Bose Hero Hero Go show um, but I do love podcasting I am going to get back to the big horror little podcast I just kind of need to find the time um, so yeah I'm sure if people are following the page uh, I'll, I'll keep everybody posted on Facebook and hopefully we'll be back soon awesome lots of good stuff going on man show keeps growing uh, Facebook numbers just blow me away. I can't believe that many people are, are paying attention to what we're doing. So just uh, appreciate that. A lot of cool things going on. If you noticed, uh, we've actually got m- merchandise now that you can purchase. That's kind of That's freaky. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, things are going great. We're having a great time. Hey, guys, don't forget, you're welcome to send voicemails, bad imitations, all that stuff. We want as much as that as possible because you make this show. Without that, it's just me and Danny and you know Andy, whoever comes along, and we're just yakking. So uh, you're you're the reason we do this. The more we can get you involved, <laughs> the less we have to do. That being said, when when you have requested movies, we usually don't do them. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> We have a lot of people request stuff, and we go, yeah, that'd be cool. And this week is Commando. <laughs> it's Commando, yo. Yeah, so we'll get to it, though. We've, we're trying to plan things out where if we have guests, it makes sense to put these movies together. So we're still working on formats of things like that. Just uh, stick with us. Send us you know, your thoughts on things, what you'd like to see. Go to iTunes. If you subscribe to us, you can, you know, give us a good rating. It just makes more people listen to us. So it's all in your hands. We're just, uh, we're, we're the clay in your hands. <laughs> just like in the movie Ghost. Oh, <laughs> oh my love. Okay, stop. <laughs> wow, that got weird. <laughs> it's normal. That's what happens here. <laughs> Man, again, appreciate you coming on, being with us, man. And uh, I hope that... Uh, it's been an absolute I, pleasure. Just glad you got to hang out with us, man. means a lot. Yeah, me too. No, it's been awesome. I'll have to do it again. Awesome. And hopefully we can get you, get you primed up to jump back out there and get back in the game. Yeah, totally, man. I know I keep saying it, but no, we, uh, we do need to get on it, me and the missus. Awesome. I said, I know what we can do to encourage you to go back out there is we could pay you. That would probably do it. Yeah. 
that that would be that'd be good actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only in Mungo books though. That's the only problem. <laughs> Mungo. Uh, Mungo book. Right. Well, I don't know what the exchange rate is to pounds. I'm sure it's not much. <laughs> if it's decent, if it's good exchange rate, I'm, I'm up for it. I tell you what, we'll send some to you, and you just see how that works out. <laughs> All right, awesome. Yeah, I'll see if uh, if my bank let me pay my mortgage with him, and I'm and I'm sold. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you folks later. Adios. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> So to give us a commando synopsis, here's a real crappy Christopher Walken. Hello, Ricky and Danny. This is Christopher Walken. I'm here to do for you a synopsis for the movie Commando from 1985. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. The synopsis for the movie is... A retired elite black ops commando launches a one-man war against a group of South American criminals who have kidnapped his daughter to blackmail him into starting a revolution and getting an exile dictator back into power. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs>